Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome to The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez. Thank you for joining us. I am so pumped up. I get to start the new year off with you. Happy New Year, by the way. I'm also excited that today you're going to get to meet my brave friend, Jenny Mars. You may know Jenny from the HGTV show, Fixer to Fabulous, which the show truly is fabulous. So I highly encourage you to check it out. It's really, really good. Now, as we visit with Jenny, we'll be diving into some brave life topics covering infertility, adoption, the berry farm, and HGTV. This is part one of two interviews with Jenny. Now, a quick family background. She and Dave, they live in Northwest Arkansas. They have five children, a set of handsome twin boys, Nate and Ben, two precious girls, Sylvie and Charlotte, and a sweet baby boy, Luke, who just showed up on the scene last June. Now, I'd like to start from the beginning with you, Jenny. So let's dive right in, starting with you and Dave. You met, you fell in love, and then somehow you ended up in Arkansas. (laughs) If I've been on your farm, it's the Berry Farm, and it's a pretty amazing place. I'm trying to put this together in my head. How did Jenny get to the Berry Farm? My parents are asking that still. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. Okay, so I never, I mean, I grew up in Florida. I wanted to live either by the beach or in a big city when I grew up. Those were my two requirements for my life. Which you're not. And I'm in Arkansas. <laughs> Which it is beautiful It's here. beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And I love it. And it's it's funny how God plants, takes things away from the what you thought you wanted and puts new dreams in your heart. And you're like, oh, yeah, so much better. I mean, I would love a beach in Arkansas. Let's not lie. But... I do love it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up, Dave and I ended up here. He's a builder, you know, so we moved many, many times. We had built our final house that I was like, well, I'm done moving when our boys, we moved into it when the boys had turned one, right after their first birthday. It was in our little downtown historic, right where we are sitting, actually just right down the street. Um, and it was like, that was it. We're not moving again. They we're done. I loved this house. We we built it to look like an old house, but it was new. Cool. So it had, I had like the big rooms and the big closet, all the things that I wanted, that I thought I wanted. <laughs> of course. Um, and anyway, we, we loved living down here and having the community down here. It was really, it was amazing. It was great to be able to walk everywhere. Well, <laughs> as God does, changed our, he just kind of... Oh, wrecked our world, I guess, um, when we started. He started opening our eyes to the orphan crisis throughout the world, to poverty in ways that we'd never known or been exposed to. We just didn't know what we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we started down the path of adoption because of that. And basically just our whole world was just flipped upside down. Everything we thought we knew, thought we wanted all of it just like was gone and we realized what are we doing what are we you know it basically just he just opened our eyes to all this stuff and we didn't know what mm-hmm. to do with it mm-hmm. at the time we were just revelation kind of... overload <laughs> yes. basically yes and the only thing we knew was during that time we had this phone call to Dave from a church here downtown they had a 
a house on their property that they wanted torn down. And so they just asked, and we went to church there at the time. And so they just asked Dave, hey, can you give us a bid for how much it would cost to tear this down, clear the land? So one day Dave was like, granted, we had just moved into our house. This was like our sixth, fifth or sixth house. I don't even remember, but we were done moving, done. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I think we're going to move it. And I'm like, you can, I don't even know. I didn't even know you could move a house at the time, but he's like, we can move it and, um, and, you know, fix it and sell it. Great. Okay. Well, come to find out once we started into the process, um, and, and all along, I think he was thinking we would move into it, by the way, but <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. So we had this land outside of town that Dave had bought years and years before at a tax auction. Okay. And we just had been holding on to it, not knowing what we would do with it, you know. Kind of the story of our life. (laughs) So we decided, oh, we can't move this house, but we can't also tear it down because it is a really cool house. It was built in the early 1900s. I mean, it was just a really cool house. So we thought, let's move it out there and let's renovate it. And then we will do something with it, but we don't know what. But we were not going to be moving into it. That was not the plan. Like, I know people have done it and people do it. I've I've never witnessed anyone moving a house. I know now we've done it several times, which is funny. But yeah, they actually had to take the root, the whole second story off. So they moved it in three pieces. They took off like one half of it and they had, I don't even know, they put it up on these big trailers. I don't really know the technical details of it, but it took a long time. It took about a month to six weeks to prep for the move, and then they moved it one morning, in a morning. So it oh started at like 4 a.m. on a Sunday. had to be a Sunday morning, so there wasn't a lot of traffic. We moved it through town, and then it wouldn't fit <laughs> down the road. <laughs> so we had to ask a neighbor if we could go through his cow pasture. So we had to, like, take down his fence. Oh, my gosh. So we could move this house through wow. his pasture. Yeah, it was insane. I have videos. It was it was crazy. It was fun. So we renovated it. In that process of renovating it is when all of this stuff is happening in our own lives, and we're realizing... What are we doing? Why don't we just move into this house? Why don't we sell our house? We just felt like God was calling us to move into that house, and we didn't know why. He grew up outside of Denver, so he grew up in the country. He wanted to have land. I did not. <laughs> I did not want anything to do with any of this. You want the beach in the city. I do. That's what you want. <laughs> I know. And, the ne- and now you are moving a house out into the country. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so... But as God does, he changed my heart and got me so excited about this house as we were going through the process and just the idea of simplifying our lives Mm. and being out where we could breathe and the boys could run and all the things. Mm -hmm. Granted, I didn't realize having a farm is actually not simple at all, but at the time (laughs) it seemed very lovely. Um, So we decided, okay, let's sell our house, move out there. We did but I was pregnant at the time. By that point, we had already been in our adoption for two years. You had moved this house. You had two boys, your twins. Mm-hmm. They're 18 months old at the time. Mm-hmm. And But I want to back up because there's a very important part of your story that so many people can relate to. Mm-hmm. And there's infertility going mm-hmm. on um, with you and Dave. So tell me a little bit about that journey. How long was that? Mm -hmm. And what was God doing in both of you during that time? Sure. Yeah. It was um, three years. You know, we had the typical, okay, we got married. We traveled. We did all these great things. Now we're ready to start our family. Let's do it. We assumed like everything in our lives up until this point that it would just happen because we were ready and we decided, (laughs) you know, and it didn't. And so um, 
It was an unexplained infertility. Doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. There was no explanation. Every time we did a round, we did a lot of, oh, we did a lot of IUIs. The doctors kept saying, everything looks great. This is going to be it. Because there were everything, like it was textbook, like this is it. And then it never worked. Um, wow. Granted, we didn't start that process for about a year. And I had miscarried at one point in that year. Mm. And then we thought, okay, this is not, something's going on. So for two years, we did treatments, I would say, but we was a three-year journey. And yeah, God just basically taught us that we're not in control. Mm-hmm. We, I think we knew that and we know the words and we know the verses since, but we didn't know that in a real, like, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this Would you say this was your first real just kind of major hiccup in life? Yeah. Because um, up to that point, life's been fairly smooth, right? right? Going yes. to school, go to college, graduate, you get a job, yes. find the person you love, you get married. So y'all are just living this married, young, fun life. Yep. He's working, you're working, you're doing your thing. Now it's time, hey, let's have a baby. Yeah. And so you're trying. It's not working. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, this is whenever your your faith starts to take a new journey, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I I was I was a runner at the time. I don't, don't run anymore, <laughs> but I should. I should get back <laughs> Me into either. It. But I did a lot. And that was when um, I would say that was kind of my therapy time. Like I would just run and I would... That's when God would meet me in mm. those moments of just like running. And I think I was just trying, I, I was just exerting this frustration of, wait, I, I should be able to do this. This is what my body is supposed to do. And it's not working. And why? Mm-hmm. And nobody can tell me why. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you do all the tests, like all of the tests constantly. And you think, well, if somebody could just say, oh, this is the reason. It would have given me some peace. Something to hold on to, like yeah. just to understand. Understand, yeah. yeah. And so mm-hmm. it was the first time something was happening that there was no reason. And also keep in mind, up until this point, I didn't even really want kids, which is crazy now that I'm now five. <laughs> but my mom always laughs because growing up, I was like, I'm never having kids. I'm going to live by the beach or in a, you know, in a big city. In the city and no kids. <laughs> no kids. I was going to have You're this. in the country. <laughs> I know. In Arkansas. <laughs> On a a farm, on a farm. Yes. And it was like God just switched my heart and I wanted kids and then I wanted kids. So it was like, I should get them because I want them, you know, and I couldn't. And it was just, but it was that, um, it was a time where God used worship music, praise, like I just ran with my headphones on and just, that's when songs just spoke to me so much. Um, and he used scripture and journaling during that time. I mean, I have journals and journals and journals, which are actually really cool now because the boys, re- we, they always ask me to read to them. Not some of them. I don't read them to them because some of them are a little too raw and they're only eight. Mm-hmm. But they get to hear the stories of how desperately Dave and I wanted them. You know, yeah, what that's a cool beautiful. Thing for a that kid. is beautiful. Yeah. And so I'm glad I did that in the, in the midst. It was very, um, there was so much hope and so much just seeking the Lord and leaning on him. But there was also so much darkness. And I think Mm -hmm. that I didn't understand spiritual warfare as much as I do now at the Mm -hmm. time. And I think he was, he was just speaking lies and lies and lies and lies into Mm -hmm. me. And give me a few lies. Yeah. um, Well, number one was you're, 
this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to, you're not, I mean, you're a wife and you're a woman, so you're supposed to have a baby. So you don't deserve your husband. You don't deserve wow. any of the things you have in your life because you can't do what you're made to do. God made you to make life and you can't do that. So there's something inherently wrong with you more mm. so than just physical. Like I physically can't have a baby. It was it everything. Was this deep, something truly wrong with right. you. Exactly. With Jenny. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that was probably the biggest one that just kept going over and over. And um, what did you do to cause this? Mm. You know, the mm. whole Job thing. Like, sure. <laughs> this sure. has to be your fault. What did you do? God's punishing you. Sure. Um, yeah. I think during that time, just I didn't understand that those are lies from the enemy. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't understand any of that. God was trying to teach me all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say after about two years, I was just a total mess. Like, I, w- I mean, I was just a mess. I was just frantic and desperate to mm-hmm. have a baby. That's, mm-hmm. It was like became an idol in my life almost, yeah, you know? Sure. And so we decided to pursue adoption, mm-hmm. but not because we wanted to do this thing that God was calling us to. It was because we just wanted a baby. It became frantic. Like, we were... We were looking at international adoption, domestic adoption, foster care. We were doing all of the things, and every door just kept slamming, slamming, slamming in our face. And then every month was a failed procedure or, you know, Mm -hmm. negative test. So So what did this do with you and Dave? Um, Did this bring you closer together, or Mm -hmm. would you say it made you further apart at this time? I mean, mean, because I know a lot of times when situations like that occur it it can really um, destroy a relationship it could and for i mean i'm so thankful to god because Mm -hmm. he i think preserved us through it not it wasn't me because i was getting mad i was like there were times when i just want to vent and and it's just human nature dave wanted to fix it and he couldn't and then he felt like he was failing me i felt like i was failing him you know we both think and we both talk about this now. Like it just brought us closer together, thankfully, um, mm-hmm. and point and brought us literally like we have nothing. We can do nothing right. on our own. Just brought us to the feet of Jesus, begging Him at that point. Like just completely surrendered. What do you want for our family? Because we mm-hmm. know, and I believe this, and I have a lot of friends who have walked through infertility, are walking through infertility. If He's going to plant a seed in your heart and a dream and a vision for you and your family, then He's going to fulfill it. It's may it may look nothing like you expect, and the road to get to that point may be horrendously hard. But He has that planted in your heart for a purpose and a reason. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I didn't even want kids, and then all of a sudden I was like desperate, desperate for kids, mm-hmm. and that was not of my own doing. I know it wasn't. And at one point in that process, um, I've talked about this before. Um, It's funny because I kind of had forgotten about it until probably within the past year, I remembered. But God gave me this vision of our family. And it was... (laughs) It's really funny now because I, I remembered it as I we found out with this last pregnancy. But there were just kids running around. Dave and I were standing at the I, kitchen island, and there were kids running around us. And I specifically remember one really blonde-headed kid and then one really dark-skinned kid, and that was it. But everything else was just kids running, and I couldn't – I don't not, nobody else really stuck out to me but those two. And I just had, like – clung to that like that is a vision for our family we're going to have a family we're going to have kids even if I don't know maybe maybe what I'm thinking it's going to be is not maybe it's all we're going to be foster parents and we're going to have all these foster kids in and out of our home I don't know 
but I know that we are going to pour into kids somehow, some way. So I, I kind of mm. clung to that. Mm-hmm. And then I honestly forgot about it, which is crazy, until like a year ago. And I remembered, I'm like, oh my gosh, that vision. And then I got pregnant. <laughs> like, oh, we are going to have, have a lot oh, of Oh my kids. goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so anyway, yes. Um, so we were down the adoption path. We had basically shut the door on fertility treatments. I'd stopped treatments completely for about six months by this point. And what made you stop? Oh, I was done. I was done. Yeah. <laughs> I was Just done getting tired my of the blood process. Drawn. I was yeah. done being a patient. Yeah. I was done um, feeling like everybody was looking at me with like pity. I'd hated that. I hated it. I didn't really tell anyone. We didn't tell anyone for about two years about any of it. We had to start telling them when we started our adoption process because people were like, wait, what? And and I had friends that were getting pregnant and they were so nervous to tell me. I would always be the last to find out because they didn't know how to tell me. And I always felt like, oh, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. Right. So anyway, I was just done. I was like, let's just stop this. This is not what we're meant to do. Um, we are going to adopt. And... Like I said, door after door after door was shut, and suddenly... For adoption. For adoption. For um, the Ethiopia program opened up with the agency that we were with at the time for Russia. Dave and I both felt like, that's it. That is where our kid is. Our kid is in Africa, and we didn't know anything about Africa. (laughs) We didn't know anything about Ethiopia. We're like, we got to figure this out because this is a big deal because mm-hmm. now we're stepping into, you know, transracial adoption. It's just a whole different game. Well, and, and I will tell you because um, there will be people listening that they're thinking, why didn't they just adopt mm-hmm. in the U.S.? And, and you're saying doors were being shut and shut. So yes. kind of speak to that for a second. Oh, I mean, we had kids that we were like, that's our maybe this is our kid. Maybe this is and we would pursue that child and then our either they would be unavailable for adoption or they would have medical needs that were well beyond what we felt like we were capable of. We just never had peace about any of the situations that we were presented or that we were kind of chasing after. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I have no idea, no reason other than God why we felt like our daughter, not even daughter at the time, we didn't know our child was on the continent of Africa. We didn't know. Mm-hmm. When that Ethiopia program opened, we were like, we both felt like that's, this is the program. This is where we're supposed to be. And honestly, there's no other reason besides Sylvie was in Africa. She wasn't in Ethiopia, but that was a roundabout way to get to her eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and also keep in mind at that time, I had that vision from the Lord of there was one brown skinned kid in that kitchen. Right. So I was like, that's the kid. That's, you know. Right. Um, so we had started that process. We had to change programs. So it was all new paperwork. So we were just about um, to submit our like application and our transfer. We had just re- redone our home study for the umpteenth time. And we were about to submit it. And I was actually walking. <laughs> I'll never forget. Like, this is just crazy. Um, I was walking to the mailbox to put in our application and send off. And I got a call from our fertility doctor in Tulsa. And I was like, that's weird, because we hadn't been in six months. It was the nurse practitioner. And she was like, we were reviewing your file, and your insurance pays for IVF at 100%, and we really feel like you're a good candidate, and we feel like you should try it. But up until that point, we had said no to IVF. We didn't want to do it for all different reasons. And I was like, okay, thanks, but we're, we're not interested. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I told Dave that night, I was like, hey, 
they called and I told him and he was like, Jenny, let's just try it. And I'm like, no, I'm done. I had sh- I'm done. I decided mm. no, I'm done. We're done. Yeah. And so we ended up, I ended up, agree- uh, and by this point I had been praying and praying and um, had felt like God had said, because we had had so many doors closed and I mm-hmm. didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. that God had told me to listen to Dave and to let him lead our family mm. in some of these decisions. Mm. And so when Dave said that, I was like, Oh, no, I don't want to listen to him. So, but I said, okay, if you think so, why don't we just go to the meeting and hear what they have to say? So we sat through this meeting, and I just remember like a weirdo. <laughs> I mean, she must have thought I was crazy. I just bawled <laughs> the entire meeting. I was crying because yeah. I didn't want to do it. And she was explaining the shot schedule and the all of the things. And, and I, I was just so overwhelmed, and I just kept crying. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And again, Dave was like, I just think we should try. I'm like, fine. Okay, fine. We'll try. But I went into it like, Mm -hmm. this isn't going to work. It's going to be more hard. Basically, I just didn't want more heartache and more heartbreak. Sure, sure. Um, So we told our agency, give us a month. Can you put our file on hold for a month? They implanted two embryos because my embryos were not great quality. Mm Mm-hmm. But they were like, why don't we do two? Because I don't know if either of these are going to work. Anyway, they did two. They both took. And we have two boys. Like, how far along are you pregnant whenever you find out, you know, this is our daughter over here in Ethiopia? Oh, I mean, how how's that all? Long, yeah. Long time later. Yes. Yeah, so we put it on hold. We put our adoption on okay. hold. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I went into preterm labor with the boys. We were in the hospital. All things. God did all sorts of stuff with their life. And just the fact that they were born healthy was a miracle in and of itself. Um, and when they were about 18 months old is when we started the process again, went back to Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people, they would say, you know, we've, we've got our kids. Yeah. We've had our babies. Uh, we're good. You know what? We don't need to do adoption anymore. Yeah. So I, I love that part of your story that you decided we're still going to pursue this. Yes. Some God moments happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had no idea about the orphan crisis globally as we started that process. I mean, we never assumed we would adopt internationally. When we first started, we had assumed we would adopt domestically. And God just, I kept reading books and blogs and all the things, and it just kept opening my worldview and expanding it. And I, I mean, my heart was completely broken for these kids. And so we just knew, like, we're going to, we're still going to adopt after the boy, you know. And um, they, like I said, they were only a year and a half old. I had felt like the Lord was telling me it was time to start the process. And I didn't say anything to Dave because I thought he would think I was insane. Because (laughs) Because you've got two twin boys. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it was a crazy time. There was no logical reason for us to start this process now. We had time. We didn't need to just... Anyway, I didn't say a word to him for about a week. And I just kind of sat on it. And then we were walking one day to the park. And he looked at me and just said, I think we're supposed to start our adoption again. And I was like, oh... Me too. And so it was, that was it. And then we started. And um, now looking back, I know also when we started, it was right when Sylvia was being was born. So when we submitted our paperwork, we, we made that decision late 2011. We submitted our paperwork January 2012. She was born January 2012. So just God, you know, I mean, it's only yeah. God. So yeah. and it took a very it took two and a half years to get her home mm-hmm. so we started then when the boys were so young but they were four when she mm-hmm. came home so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. god works all things together for his good mm-hmm. and and i just think about those three years of infertility um if that had not happened right you would never explored the adoption process the international adoption process right 
Um, and I just think that's so powerful how God mm-hmm. came through with you on that. So Sylvie comes into the world. So how did Sylvie even come available to be adopted? I got this email and I normally donate, didn't even open them, but for some reason I opened it. Not for some reason, because, <laughs> mm-hmm. and she was there and I was like, oh, this might be her. But I had never had that thought. I mean, I'd seen other kids that were waiting, and I'd never had that thought. There was something about... Yes. Mm -hmm. So I forwarded it to Dave, um, and we knew she was in Africa, but we didn't know what country because it didn't list their country. So did some more... Called the agency, found out she was in the Congo, which meant we would have to lose all of our money and everything in our program that we were already in and start all over. We had about, I can't even remember. I think it was a couple days where we were just praying in such intense prayer over for wisdom and for discernment. Is this really our kid? Are we really supposed to go after her? We had a call scheduled with our agency. I don't remember what time it was, but we had a call scheduled. He missed it. He wasn't answering his phone. And I'm like, what, what is going on? <laughs> so I'm kind of like, ah, so I, I emailed the agency. I'm like, hey, we're going to have to reschedule. And I just didn't know what was going on. Well, he gets home and he was like, hey, so I know you, we were supposed to call them. I, I, oh, no, he didn't even talk because I was so mad. I'm like, where were you? We were supposed to call them. What were you doing? Why didn't you answer your phone? Sure. And he sets down a check and he's like, she's our daughter. And I'm like, what? What? And I look at the check. He had been at a closing that he had completely forgotten about, which never happens. He never forget. I mean, if you're going to get a check, you don't forget. But he had forgotten about it until his buddy who was at the closing, his partner, like with some investment stuff, was like, hey, you're where are you? So it was at the same time when we were supposed to make the phone call. So he goes to the closing, doesn't call me for some reason. I don't know why, but (laughs) more dramatic that way, I guess. I guess. And he gets his closing check, and it's the exact amount we owe to the agency for our fees to get the referral, our referral fee. And so we were like, okay, I guess. Wow. This is our daughter. Wow. Thanks, God. Wow. Yes. I mean, stuff like that that you're like, there's no way. But it was crazy. So we... And God did that over and over in our adoption process because it was the hardest thing we've ever, ever, ever done. Mm -hmm. And there were so many times that we were like, we give up. We can't Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And he would do something Mm -hmm. like that. Just keep showing up. Yes. Say you're on the right path. Yes. Mm. God is so good. He always finds a way to remind us that he is near and he is with us, doesn't he? Well, we're about out of time. Don't leave yet, though, because I have a brave word for you. And I know we still haven't covered the adventures behind the Berry Farm and HGTV. And we will do that in part two of this interview with Jenny. You don't want to miss it. Here's a quick clip from the interview in our next podcast. Take a listen. It was always me saying, no, I would commit to like adding more kids and adding another orphanage or adding another school or whatever. And Dave would think I was crazy because he said, we can't even hardly afford to pay for the what we have. Um, I'm like, no, we'll just, we'll figure it out. God will provide. And he did every single time he did. Be sure and tune in in two weeks. Now, before you go, I'd like to leave you with a final brave word, reminding all of us, including myself, that God certainly, just as Jenny said, will plant a seed in your heart and he will fulfill it, but it may not look like anything you would expect. As they were in the throes of infertility, God used their faithful diligence during a time of great uncertainty and struggle to grow their faith and open their eyes to a world they never knew existed beyond their scope of living. They discovered a world that changed their world. When I think of Jenny and Dave Mars, I keep coming back to this verse in Isaiah 55, 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jenny and Dave would have never imagined the ways and thoughts of God, but they were open and they trusted. I have a brave challenge for you today. Will you give your struggles to God, trusting him in the process that maybe, just maybe, he is growing your faith and widening your scope of vision and impact? I can promise you God wants to use every one of your circumstances, especially the hard ones, to form the foundation for the impact in which he wants to use you. Are you open to that? That's the brave challenge for today. Catch us next time with Jenny for part two of this interview where God's vision becomes reality and the impact expands beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you again for joining us for this first podcast of The Brave Place. Have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network. 